Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, Bob is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about voter integrity and voter IDs. Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, pioneering the space frontier book that he wrote in conjunction with Buzz Aldrin. It is December the 22nd, and on this day in 1941, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill arrived in Washington, D.C. for a series of meetings with Franklin Delano Roosevelt on a unified Anglo-American strategy and a future peace. Now that the United States was directly involved in both the Pacific and European wars, it was incumbent upon Great Britain and America to create and project a united front. Towards that end, Churchill and Roosevelt created a combined general staff to coordinate military strategy against both Germany and Japan and draft a future joint invasion of the continent. Roosevelt also agreed to a radical increase in the U.S. arms production program, the 12,750 operational aircraft, Uh, To be ready for service by the end of 1943 became 45,000, big increase. The proposed 15,450 tanks became 45,000, and the number of machine guns to be manufactured almost doubled to 500,000. Among the momentous results of the U.S. Anglo meetings was a declaration issued by Churchill and Roosevelt that enjoined 26 signatory nations to use all resources at their disposal to defeat the Axis powers and not sue for separate peace. This configuration, called the United Nations, led to the United States, Great Britain, and the Soviet Union. All 26 nations declared a unified goal to ensure life, liberty, and independence and religious freedom and to preserve the rights of man and justice. The blueprint for the destruction of fascism and a future international peacekeeping organization was born, and that, of course, being the United Nations. Well, yesterday had quite a lot of wind, and there was a tornado that ripped through South Fort Myers Tuesday, splashing, smashing cages and felling trees over onto cars while wind gusts nearly reached hurricane status up to 95 miles an hour. Uh, the initial damage estimate is around $500,000. The uh, Lee County Electric Cooperative representatives were not available for comment, but a company phone message said that more than 5,000 customers were without power uh, yesterday around noontime. We're expecting some cooler weather for Christmas, uh, Thursday, sunny with uh, a high near 65, and north uh, wind about 5 miles per hour, so the winds have died down. Uh, Friday, Sunday, uh, sunny with uh, near high 72, and Christmas Eve, uh, around 63, and uh, Christmas Day, mostly sunny with a high near 74. So a little cooler, so you may want to break out the sweaters for the uh, Christmas holidays. Well, the United States Census Bureau released estimates that show the U.S. population grew by only 0.1% between July 1st and July 1st, uh, 2021. 
in that year f leading up to July 1st, 2021. For all the math lovers out there, that's 392,665 people. To put it in perspective, it's the lowest rate since the nation's founding. And the first time since 1937, the population grew by fewer than 1 million folks. COVID-19 is partially to blame, increasing mortality and less international migration. Deaths from an aging population and drop in fertility rates have also played a role. A Census Bureau official said population growth has been slowing for years, concerning because it could affect our labor force down the road and, of course, also people working to pay for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and some of the other programs that we have right now really require a lot of young people working. Well, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said the on the beat, that's a MSNBC show, that considering the highly contagious Omicron variant of coronavirus is rapidly spreading throughout the United States, unvaccinated family members should be asked not to attend Christmas gatherings this year. Makes me smile when I say this. This guy's just incredible. Guest host Alicia Mendez said, Dr. Fauci, you know very well that people are deciding whether they're going to get on planes and be in their family with their families for the holidays. What's your advice, he said? He said, certainly any kind of travel increases the risk of, and if you're careful and prudent and the travel you feel is important, necessary travel, like seeing a member of your family that you've not seen for a long time, if you are vaccinated and boosted, and the people you're going to visit are vaccinated booster, you can get on a plane and travel so long as you're very prudent as to the airport of wearing a mask. Menendez says if someone in your family is not vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Fauci said yes, I would do that. I think we're dealing with a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaccinated person, I'd say, hey, I'm very sorry, but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. In the meantime, I mean, this virus is spreading extremely fast. Uh, in, uh, in New York, it's just uh, in ballooning in terms of cases. But there's only one death so far, and that's a guy in Houston, Texas. And apparently, he had some sort of a, he had other comorbidity issues. So uh, hospitalizations and deaths are not way up, but cases are up. And uh, we know from uh, other continents that a lot of this has, it's like the common cold. It's pretty mild flu symptoms is what, it, what results. So <clears throat> maybe a little uh, early to be waving the white flag, flag against coronavirus. Fighting the uh, Omicron variant surging through the country, President Joe Biden announced Tuesday that government would provide 500 million free rapid tests, increase support for hospitals under strain, and redouble vaccination and boosting efforts. At the White House on Tuesday, Biden detailed a major changes in his COVID-19 winter plan, his hand forced by the arrival of a fast-spreading variant whose properties are not yet fully understood by scientists, yet his message was clear. The winter holidays could be close to normal for the vaccinated while potentially dangerous, a winter of death for the unvaccinated. Is uh not uh, not politically emphasized. He noted that uh, former President Donald Trump has gotten his booster shot. He said it's Americans' patriotic duty to get vaccinated. So now he's calling on President Trump to provide the validity to the things that he's asking for. He has very little influence himself, unfortunately. It's the only responsible thing to do, said the president. Omicron is serious and potentially deadly business for unvaccinated people. Biden chastised social media and people on cable TV who have been misleading statements, making misleading statements to discourage people from getting vaccinated.
I don't think anybody's discouraging anybody from getting vaccinated. Most people I'm listening to are saying, hey, it's an individual decision. If you, you, you should make your own decision with you and your doctor as to whether to get vaccinated. The point is that these mandates are way out of line with the Constitution and with individual liberties and free rights. The outbreak from the latest strain of the coronavirus has required federal government to get more aggressive in addressing the likely wave of infections. But Biden promised a wary nation that he would not be have mass lockdowns or schools or businesses. I know you're tired, he said. I know you're frustrated. But he said with uh, great empathy, we all want to be, have this be over, but we're still in it. He said, we have to get more tools than we've had before. We're ready and we'll get through this, said Biden. Scientists don't yet know everything about Omicron, but they do know vaccination should offer strong protections against severe illness and death. The variant has spread at such an alarming rate that Biden administration snapped quickly into action to offer new tests and additional aid. He's offering 500 million coronavirus tests for free shipment to Americans starting in January. Now, he's, if they're recommending two uh, tests per week, that's going to require about... Three billion tests, <clears throat> way short of the 500 million he's offering. But nevertheless, he wants to ship these tests off to individuals at their homes. He also wants to bring up a thousand troops with medical skills to assist hospital buckling under the virus surge. And he immediately sending federal medical personnel to Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, Arizona, New Hampshire, and Vermont. There's also plans to ready additional ventilators and protective equipment from the national stockpile expanding hospital resources. As a backstop, the Federal Emergency Management Agency will deploy hundreds of ambulances and paramedic teams so that if one hospital fills up, they can transport patients to open beds to other facilities. Ambulances already headed to New York, Maine, and uh, paramedic teams are going to New Hampshire, Vermont, and Arizona. To me, it seems like a little bit of an overreaction since, again, we only have one death and hospitals are not filling up. In fact, uh, here's a reassuring uh, story that I just uh, found this morning. America's frontline doctors, which, of course, have been uh, demonized by Fauci and others, well, they're planning to open their own clinics and inviting medical staff and pharmacists to join them. According to a newsletter that was distributed among its supporters last week, FAFLDS, that's the American Frontline Doctors, is opening its first medical clinic in mon coming months and many more planned shortly thereafter. According to our great nation, doctors, nurses, and pharmacists are having their rights stripped away by corrupt state and government actors. We're here to stand up for your rights to, pr to practice safe medical medicine and, and serve your patients. The time is now to band together and take action to, in defense of our constitutional medical rights. These uh, doctors are uh, opening its first clinic in the coming months and may have more many plans shortly thereafter. Doctors and nurses, do you want to honor the Hippocratic Oath and care for your patients without interference? Join us to practice medicine and nursing ethically and honorably. Protect your patients, community, and country. I think this is just great. By the way, if you want to find out more about this, you can go to AFLDS.org. I checked out the website, AFLDS.org uh, slash medical freedom. 
very welcome development because, quite frankly, after reading Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci, it's scary, and you understand that we're being misled by public health officials like Fauci, the CDC. We need to get back to the Hippocratic Oath and real medicine. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. He's also a constitutional scholar. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's callyourseniorresources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. You can find out more and download the app from the choicesocial.us website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now, we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. 
Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. So, Bob, we've been talking about voter ideas, voter integrity. Uh, I want to pick up on uh, this question. In screening non-citizens, what's the alternative to uh, uh, voter ID? Well, I think the case can be made that there's no need for an alternative because non-citizen registrations are not a problem. Uh, neither registration nor an ID can prevent non-citizens from voting, but if they do, it's illegal. <laughs> so registration will uncover fraud, and it can be supported by a variety of documents, including you know, a bank statement, a utility bill, a paycheck, or the usual citizenship uh, forms. And the registration requirement is better than a voter ID in that you only have to do it once, not each time you vote. Um, most types of, of photo IDs uh, that are used now don't even show citizenship, so you you couldn't really invoke those uh, IDs to prevent citizens from voting in any event. Yeah. And there are about 15 states, including D.C., that actually allow illegals to get a driver's license. So even non-citizens are allowed to have a photo ID. So I, I think any concern with citizens versus non-citizens cannot be addressed nationally with an ID, much better addressed with registration. And uh, re and on a state level, I would suggest. Right, absolutely. So uh, who has the burden of proof to show that IDs are necessary? Well, the Supreme Court has said that <clears throat> voting is a fundamental right, and so it's not up to voters to prove that they're entitled to vote. It's up to the government to prove it's justified in stopping them uh, from voting. So. It, it's, it's pretty evident that there are lots of people who would otherwise be qualified but would be turned away if you required an ID. And there's some statistically reliable surveys um, that uh, support that and none that I've seen that refute that. Uh, even if an ID were not burdensome, and in part it is for some people, it does still smack of show me your papers. And it doesn't obviate the need for registration. You have to register in any event. An ID would do nothing to detect fraud that registration, which every state requires, uh, would not do. Yeah, although there's a couple of states where they have thousands of people on the voter rolls that are, have been on the voter rolls for over 100 years. So, I mean, they've got to clean up these uh, voter rolls as well. Absolutely. The, the argument for registration as opposed to ID is not an argument for allowing the voter rolls uh, to be in their current uh, slipshod condition. Uh, movement in, uh, in place to... Uh, to uh, fix the voter rolls and to make sure that they're accurate, that's entirely appropriate. Yeah, so uh, we have to show an ID to drive across the border, board a plane, cash a check, get prescription drugs and, drugs and buy liquors. Why not to vote? Well, if the first, I think, um, point is that rights are different than privileges. Uh, voting is a right, <clears throat> not a privilege granted by government. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, governments are constitutionally constrained in ways that the private sector is not. Um, so, you know, looking at 
those points you made one at a time. Driving, unlike voting, there's no constitutionally protected right to drive. Uh, driving can be dangerous, and having a license attests to your competency. Uh, the border is a special case because the U.S. Constitution gives express power to the federal government uh, on matters of immigration and border control. Uh, getting on a plane, there's no guaranteed right to fly. Mm -hmm. um, the IDs post 9-11 control terrorism. Pre-9-11, they were imposed by the, by the airlines themselves, not by the federal government. And of course, private parties are not constitutionally uh, constrained. Um, and so the, if the airlines want to require IDs, that's their that's their uh, private private business. Uh, they impose lots of other restrictions for uh, getting on a plane. Most important is the price of the ticket. Um, cashing a check, um, you, you know, we don't have to be intellectual giants to know that there'd be rampant fraud if anybody could withdraw money from anybody else's account. So that's a no-brainer, really. And for sure, prescription drugs, I would frankly get rid of that requirement for an ID. Uh, unless the drugs cause violent behavior, uh, the need to know who's who's buying is, uh, is I don't think, some any business of, of government. Uh, of course, that's not the law, but that's would be my preference. And buying liquor, uh, the license attests to the fact that you're of age. Mm -hmm. and in the case of voting, uh, you have to make that representation when you register, so the ID doesn't add any level of protection. So how do states without voter ID laws control fraud? Uh, you can't just walk into a voting booth and, and, and vote. Uh, you have to be registered. You have to provide a name that's checked off against the registration list. Uh, you may also be asked for an address and some personal information, maybe even a signature that matches registration documents. You know, there are 14 states that don't require anything more than that. And if those states had a problem, you'd expect to see multiple voters using the same name or or would-be voters using names that aren't on the registration list. And yet, there have been all kinds of uh, research done on that in the academic and federal courts, and there's been negligible evidence of voter impersonation fraud, and that's the kind of fraud that an ID uh, is supposed to be hmm. uh, designed to detect. So, as I mentioned, and as you mentioned, it's important to ensure the accuracy of the voter registration list. So if a, if a guy registers and he hasn't voted for an extended period, or he doesn't reply to an inquiry uh, to confirm his or her status, then it may be appropriate to take additional steps. And one of those steps might be to demand an ID uh, from that person at the polling place. But that's quite different than a, than a blanket universal requirement for an ID applied to everybody uh, before he and she, he or she could, uh, could, could vote. You know, before these voter ID laws, DOJ filed over a period of about six years 120 voter fraud cases, um, many of which were just mistakenly completed registration forms or misunderstanding the voter eligibility uh, criteria. Over that period of five to six years, there were 86 convictions, 86 convictions over five years. So it's not as if uh, having IDs that led to some massive uncovering of rampant fraud. That's yeah. not what is occurring. Uh, what about the idea of uh, having, uh, uh, do you have to show an ID in order to register to vote? 
you do not. You have to show documents such as a utility bill, a bank statement. You may have to show, if you don't have that, you may have to show a passport or a citizenship form, uh, but you don't have to show an ID. So registration would supplant the need for the ID, and every state now requires uh, registration in order to vote. Yeah. So what's the big deal about requiring an ID? Almost everyone has one, and those that don't have one can easily get an inex- get one inexpensively. Well, you know, there's some sh- the research that shows about uh, up to 9 million Americans uh, who are voting age don't have a photo ID. And, of course, half the married women, uh, th- their names on their IDs don't match the names on their birth certificates. Yeah. So there, there are a lot of recent court decisions that have concluded that voter ID laws are a pretty big burden on certain minority populations. Uh, there was a federal judge not too many years ago throughout Wisconsin's law, and he said that to, to prove name, date of birth, and U.S. citizenships, most people need to produce a birth certificate. And the evidence showed that in a, a substantial number of eligible voters don't have birth certificates. Uh, and if they want to get uh, information from DMV, <laughs> the DMV offices, you know, they close before 5 o'clock. They don't open on the weekends. Uh, you have, so you have to take time off uh, from work to get your uh, information. And you have to arrange for transportation and pay a, a fee for the document. So for some low-income individuals, you know, even $20 can be a, a burden. But I think the important point is that you're imposing a cost burden on what the Constitution, uh, what the what the uh, Supreme Court has declared to be a, a fundamental uh, a fundamental right, and you know even if I'm wrong about that, uh, supposing that IDs w- are readily available and even free, and that there's no effort in re- that doesn't justify a requirement to obtain an ID any more than it would justify a requirement to obtain an ID before you're allowed to uh, speak in public. Um, that's because there's no problem related to speaking in public, that ID would cure. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with the respect of the, to voting. Registration cures the problems that have been resolved. So interesting. Interesting discussion, Bob. Again, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And you too, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere, then 
includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence, French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, not only uh, building a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also currently bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. Oh, Andy, a lot's going on right now. I'd love to talk to you about what's happening with Omicron and uh, so many other things, but uh, how would you like to start? Well, I'm going to start with that, but I'll have to bring it into a little more focus first, um, which I will do. But the good news for today, uh, this Christmas will be my 79th consecutive year at home for Christmas, which is amazing considering I was away at college, I was in the service for four years, and still, this uh, I have never missed Christmas at home. I would say that if home is where the heart is, then I did spend Christmas with my wife in Madrid. So that, that was the only time I was not physically home. But aside from that, I have never missed this blessed holiday uh, uh, from being with the, with the person I love the most. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Andy. Well, that's that's uh, very good news indeed. Uh, I'm in the same position, looking forward to a virtual Christmas with family. We'll be making phone calls and Zoom calls and so forth. But aside from that, uh, spending a nice Christmas at home. Well, in spite of the, the dire warnings from Fauci and Biden, this is going to be a winter of death and illness. I mean, I, I think we can probably still be with our loved ones. I, I know most Americans will uh, push aside those dire warnings from uh, from both Fauci and Biden and actually be with people they care about in a in, in a wonderful get together for the Christmas season. Bob. Absolutely. Uh, so let, let me just let me just talk a little bit about the uh, the drug war. And I this seems to be an unusual topic, but it was prompted by uh, Tucker Carlson the other night indicated that he thought addiction was the uh, was the biggest 
uh, the biggest problem facing America. Now, that certainly is debatable, and I tend to disagree with it. It's the biggest problem, but certainly it's a, it's a serious problem. That's often been described as a problem of drugs, and I would like just to, uh, to somewhat clarify that in my estimation. It's a, it's, it's a problem of illegal drugs. Uh, I had sat on a drug panel at my, at my college many years ago, uh, and I had developed some positions on, on drugs, which uh, I'd just like to briefly, briefly present to your audience. Uh, in, in the first place, uh, the problem, again, is illegal drugs. There are, there are three types of people in, in the world. Uh, first, there are, there, first, there are those who will never take drugs. Uh, legal or illegal, I guess that would be me and you, let's say. And then there are those who will always take drugs, legal or illegal. In other words, for those two categories, whether drugs are legal or illegal, in no way affects their decision-making model. The third category is those who will only take drugs if they are legal. So in other words, the whole interdictive drug process uh, that has uh, taken place over the last 40 or 50 years is dedicated to that one single category, those who will only take drugs if they are legal. Now, I am going to, and this will be a rather, uh, uh, I guess, uh, provocative remark to say, I am for the legalization of drugs for, for many reasons. In, in the first place, if we look at the, the failure of the drug war. First of all, in, today, in this year's statistics, over 100,000 people will die from drugs. But that is not quite correct even, Bob. They will die generally from uh, drugs with, uh, with uh, bad fillers. The heroin fillers are, are the killer. Heroin does not kill. If we look at the introduction of fentanyl into other products, uh, for example, marijuana, that produces, in some cases, overloads leading, leading to death. So we're looking at a, a situation where we're by the illegal drug war, we are funding the drug cartel, we are creating corruptions of government, we are allowing for the seduction of our children in the schools, uh, we are, in, in fact, creating the problem through our war on illegal drugs. Now, I know it is very, very provocative to suggest the legalization of drugs, but I'll tell you, Bob, if we're doing something that is creating uh, a long-term problems and is not dealing with the problem at all, as is our drug war, uh, I think we have to at least take a step in another direction. When the Halstead Act and the uh, prohibition of alcohol are proved to be creating organized crime and, and creating more problems than it was preventing, they eliminated that, uh, that, that amendment. Uh, so I think we have to start giving serious concern to the legalization of drugs where they can be controlled and manufactured in a uh, in a safe manner, uh, provided in a safe manner. This would crush the cartels, uh, crush much of the illegal border traffic, which is funded by drug monies. Uh, and so, again, for your audience today, my my point is not somehow a reverence for drugs. I loathe what they do to the human body, but they're doing it now, Bob. And right. what we're seeing is a corrupting of America's children. And I think we have to get back to a situation where we put this somehow in the control of a, of a legal process that will eliminate the vast majority of those 100,000 deaths would have been prevented in a legal drug market, Bob. Yeah, just to pile on here a little bit, I, I totally agree with you. Right now, we're the most incarcerated nation in the world. We have 25% uh, of the incarcerated population 
and a much smaller percentage of, uh, of uh, the uh, population of the world. So, uh, and that's primarily because of uh, crimes that aren't even crimes against people or crimes against uh, property. They're uh, victimless crimes, and it's uh, victimless crimes. Absolutely, Bob. When I was teaching at Sing Sing, it was estimated that every year, 65% of the uh, first-time uh, incarcerated individuals were young. Not not children, but young, 18 to 25 year old uh, drug addicts who, uh, at that time, with mandatory drug sentencing in New York, they were given long sentences as pushers, right. primarily because the amount they had in their possession uh, was over the threshold of, of of just being an addict to move them into that category. It's it's a serious problem for America. It it creates crime, uh, it creates death, and yet we persist in it. And you know Einstein's definition of insanity: doing the same thing over yeah. and over again and expecting different results. Well, let, let me add just this one other fact. Uh, you used to be able to buy uh, cocaine in a Montgomery Ward catalog, and the, you know, the title was, you know, this gives you, it's refreshing, it, it gives you new life, and blah, blah, blah. People could buy it over the counter, could buy it on in uh, Montgomery Ward catalog. At the time, the uh, addiction rate was 4%. We've had this war on drugs now. It's cost us trillions of dollars. We've incarcerated uh, many, many people who shouldn't be in jail right now. And the addiction rate is now 4%. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it certainly has not in, in any way dampened the the, uh, the lure of drugs. And I think, in fact, when you make something illegal, you create the forbidden fruit aspect of something and, and even make it more seductive than if you if you legalize it. We live in a society, Bob, that has totally glamorized and legalized gambling, for example, with right. Florida scratch-offs and national lotteries. And, you know, certainly one of the most profound addictions in this world is the gambling addiction. Right. And yet the government has had no problem with cases. Catering uh, to that to that addiction. Now, I'm not saying we should cater to it. I don't think we should promote drugs the way the gambling uh, process is is promoted. But I do think we should make it available, make sure it's clean, make sure it's controlled. And I think uh, if there's something, it's not going to eliminate the problem, but certainly it will minimize almost negative every negative aspect of the problem. And I mentioned it before, but it'll prevent the seduction of our children by drug dealers who go into the schoolyards. And they know if they can create an addict early on, they're going to make thousands of dollars off of that kid before he unfortunately may die. Yeah, that, that is so true. And in addition to that, the drugs that are distributed right now, we don't know if they have uh, all kinds of uh, insecticides or poisons that are involved in it. We, we don't have the control that we need to have. And furthermore, uh, dispute resolution, they occur all the time, and we handle them right now on legal matters uh, in court. But if you are a drug dealer, you have to handle those matters on the streets. And how does that you do that with guns and violence and so forth? So there are so many reasons to uh, to promote and to uh, support uh, your recommendation, Andy. You know, and and just just one more point on this: the the drug dealers, the cartels, particularly coming out of South America, are far more intelligent than the interdictions that are put against them. Uh, I remember one story, Bob, where they took cocaine, molded it into a plastic with other components, built the plane a plane body out of this cocaine plastic, flew the plane into the United States, and then separated the cocaine from the other ingredients and had and had kilos and kilos. <laughs> loads of cocaine so you know with that kind of with that kind of skill and with that kind of intelligence with that with you have when you have billions of dollars in your pocket 
and you can make billions more from this process. There is nothing that stands in the way of how you go about bringing drugs to the American market. And the corruption of many South American and Central American governments is, in fact, driven by the ultimate destination of American drug users. If we could eliminate that, it might help with a lot of the problems throughout the uh, the southern hemisphere of, uh, of uh, and Central America. And I think we have to stop. But, you know, the problem, I'm sort of interrupting myself. The problem is no politician is going to advocate what I'm advocating and, and you are supporting, Bob. It just is not uh, is not going to be a position that any politician can advocate for. Well, you, you might be surprised. We'll see how this all turns out here in the next session of Congress. Uh, but I want to talk to you about what's happening with uh, the Omicron virus, right? I don't know if you've uh, read uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book about the the real Anthony Fauci. It is so disturbing. And in the midst now, we see this, uh, the reaction to the Omicron virus here in the United States and how President Biden is responding, how uh, politicians are responding, elected officials in terms of lockdowns and so forth. It is extremely disturbing what's going on. Well, there's no doubt. And speaking of uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr.'s uh, book, I, I have read that book. Um, it is one of the best documented books on on the uh, the pharmaceutical industry, Fauci, Bill Gates, uh, that I've ever seen. Right. Now, yesterday, Fauci indicated that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was a deeply disturbed individual. Now, he may be. So that that has nothing to do with that is a typical cancel culture type of statement. Right. Fauci did not even allude to the content of, of Kennedy's book, which, again, is, as I, as I just indicated, an incredibly well-documented treatise on, on Fauci's uh, involvement with the creation uh, of pharmaceuticals for profit uh, himself personally and for, for big pharma. Uh, it's estimated this year Pfizer will make over uh, over 30 billion dollars in profit it's estimated in total the pharmaceutical industry will make a hundred billion dollars in profit off of variants uh dealing with uh with the covid uh, uh flu uh infection bob yeah un- unbelievable and uh, you know it's this is not uh, fr- his uh, first rodeo fauci was involved with the aids uh vaccine that was a total failure and he was called to task on it by in in the uh, senate co- subcommittees and so forth admitted he was wrong and uh, he, somehow, somewhat, he's Teflon. He just continues to survive. The guy is an absolute, complete liar. He's a. And, and he, he did something with the HIV process. And, uh, you know, you may be aware, but uh, for your audience, my, my brother had died of AIDS. So I have a, have a deep personal involvement with this issue and did with my brother before he passed from, from AIDS. Uh, but Fauci had uh, pushed AZT continuously. Now, thousands and thousands died from AZT use. Uh, and that, you know, it, it was a, a reasonable therapeutic in many ways, despite the deaths, which in at that time period were, were inevitable. But the problem was Fauci was simultaneously rejecting all other therapeutic interventions. Right. It, it is very similar to what Fauci is doing right now uh, with, with the COVID and particularly the Omicron variant. We know right now that the only people who aren't being infected, aren't being affected, are those p- people with acquired immunity. Uh, I'll make sort of a radicalized uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek suggestion that maybe we should give Americans Omicron. In other words, it's, it has almost no mortality. As best I understand, uh, there's only been one death from Omicron in America. Right. And yet, yeah, Omicron, at the end of the day, 
uh, as long as it's accompanied fairly uh, thereafter with uh, inter intervention uh, intervention therapeutics like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine is going to provide natural immunity uh, that is not available with any of the and by the way these vaccines are not vaccines these are uh, uh, future uh, therapeutics i will define them as in other words they don't prevent the disease what they do is make the disease less uh, meaningful less symptomatically meaningful if you get it but that is not a vaccine it is a therapeutic in the in a like manner different uh, different uh, chemical imp impact and genetic impact but in a like manner to the uh, the intervention possibilities of in ivermectin and hydro uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, you, you may be aware this is so interesting uh, there's a 46 page legal filing the International Criminal Court in The Hague uh, against uh, Anthony Fauci, Peter Daszak, Melinda Gates, Bill, Bill Gates, and others uh, uh, for violations against the Nuremberg Code. And uh, this is a case that's brought, being brought by the citizens of Great Britain. But, uh, you know, of course, the Nuremberg Code basically, based on what happened in Nazi Germany, said that anybody who's Ha taking any drugs that have to have informed consent and have to be told of all the possibilities, including the negative reactions that could occur as a result of taking the drug. Totally reasonable. Well, I mean and that's I not, ha not that's not happening that. now. So right now there are cases. I would love to see a case like this filed against Fauci and others in the United States for the perpetrating all the misinformation and lies about this and the cover-ups that we've seen. If nothing else, Bob, unlike almost every issue in America, it, it it might generate a debate. You know, we're looking at a situation where nothing is debated in in this country. There are absolute statements being made with no, in many cases, no or limited documentation, and there's absolutely no debate. We can go right to climate change, and I don't want to deal with the entirety of that certainly, but uh, you can see there's been no head-to-head, uh, face-to-face, mano-to-mano debate about this issue and yet for example you take your 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 guest off and larry bell i mean larry bell could uh, i think just eat them alive in terms of any face-to-face -face interaction on this on this topic bob well of course and uh, if you you're a climate denier if in fact you have an opinion opposing that of the institution of the uh this administration, uh, you're a uh, uh, vaccine denier <laughs> if you have questions about taking the vaccine for yourself. In other words, we've totally shut down debate, as you pointed out, and now this is such a fascist mood that we have right now in this country that uh, if you have any kind of dissenting opinion, it can't be discussed. In fact, you're labeled uh, uh, an extremist. Well, I mean that's that's taking place with almost any opinion that you offer in variant to the to variance to, to the administration. It, it, interesting, and not exactly the story we're on, but uh, uh, the other day uh, Trump was making a presentation to a group, and he indicated that. Uh, he had earlier indicated that he would not get the booster shot, and he did get the booster shot, and he revealed that to the audience, and many in the audience booed Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I don't like the great Donald Trump being booed, I think, but I think it makes a point. Yeah. His audience are not merely robotic imitators of Donald Trump. Right. They have their own views that are well-developed by information, by distortions that have come out of the administration and have come out of Fauci. For example, just talking about myself personally, I would not get a booster shot at this point. I, I have a deep concern about the long-term uh, heart inflammations that are associated with blood clots that are associated with it. And as long as I maintain a certain degree of body integrity and in my immune system, uh, you know, I, I will I will rest on my own body's natural defenses, Bob. 
Absolutely. Andrew Jopp, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. I encourage you to get a copy of the book. Make a nice gift, but it's such an interesting read. Josephus of Oz by Andrew Joppa. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for being available and joining us. And Merry Christmas to you and your audience also, Bob. Thank you so much, Andy. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Uh, he is an author. He's written several books. Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints is his latest, written by Buzz Aldrin. He's also a professor, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Big name in the space program back in the day. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's the author of many books. His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It's a book that he wrote, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. And he also has his column on point that he writes for Newsmax.com. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. And, Bob, Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. And 
Let's have a better New Year. Yeah, absolutely, and Merry Christmas to you. Uh, just the whole notion of hope that comes with this time of year, um, I think we're all hopeful for a better year, although it looks like uh, <laughs> Omicron is uh, wanting to stand in the way of that, or at least how it's being handled politically. Well, certainly being handled politically uh, uh, rather than you know intellectually, but uh, you know it, it, it may be a blessing. Is what I'm hearing is that it has rather mild effects, and it seems to be crowding out the, the more virulent types of uh, viruses. And uh, maybe this is our chance to get natural immunity with with uh, less pain than we expected. So. Uh, Let's let's hope it's let's hope it's actually good news. I agree with that. So uh, your column is so interesting this week. Uh, you may want to wish for coal in your Christmas stocking. Of course, a play on an old idea about being a bad little boy, a bad little girl, getting coal in your stocking. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, I had a, kind of a reliable uh, information that Santa's going through kind of a hard time this year, and people are. And people are upset about not being able to get toys in time and so on. But you got you got to remember Santa's you know Santa's up against it you know, right now with with supply chain issues, <laughs> delays, and and people buying uh, you know their their gadgets from China and so on, and kind of undercutting them. And the inflation costs you know even you know even even elves only work for free you know in, in storybooks, and so he's got he's got a lot of issues to deal with and North Pole and, you know, worrying about global warming and all these other things. And, and on top of that, it's, 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 uh, you know, the, you know, the house, uh, the U S house is tempted to plan a, uh, to uh, put forth a methane bill. And, and I'm sad is worried about how it's going to, uh, new methane fees are going to affect Rudolph and, and the other reindeer with methane and, you know, exhaust fumes and so on. And so, you think about having to cancel some rooftop deliveries because of, you know, the air costs, and, and so it's it's really it's really a it's really a tough time for Santa, and and I think that when we you know, we send letters to him uh, this year, we ought to at least you know give him some credit for understanding that this inflation is hitting him on his you know materials as well, and and you know feeding Rudolph and. and Donner and Blitzen and the gang is, you know, that doesn't come cheap. And and then, you know, the getting the elves back to work after they've been paid with COVID relief, you know, we're not the only ones that are suffering through this. That's it's such a great point indeed. And I understand that now it's methane is the uh, another big problem that's been identified uh, with regard to the climate. So it's not only carbon dioxide, but we have to be concerned about methane as well. Well, yeah, and we're going into winter right now with... Uh, you know, with with uh, real energy shortages, you know, we've, you know, I don't have to tell you that, you know, that uh, you know, it may not have been entirely wise for Joe Biden to cancel the, the Keystone XL pipeline and at the same time give uh, Vladimir Putin a pass to, you know, to, to complete the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline that goes from Russia to, to Germany. Uh, you know, it's just kind of hard to figure how that balances out to help save the climate. You know, that's that's that's, that's rather concerning. But at the same time, you know, China's building the equivalent of a new coal-fired plant every week, and so you know, as as far as 
you know, the methane requirements to these other things, it's really hard to fathom how that's going to help the climate. But we're going into a, a, you know, a heating season right now with a global shortage of, of fossil fuels, and most particularly coal. Uh, coal is, of course, uh, you know, Barack Obama did it. You know, he followed through on his promise to pretty much bankrupt the coal industries. And uh, remember, that was when natural gas was going to be our our transition to uh, windmills and sunbeams. And, and, and so, you know, we've got a, a global shortage of energy. Uh, we're, we're now seeing that Europe is going to be depending on Russian gas and gas coming through the uh, under the Baltic, and that's a great environmental idea. So, so it's it's going to be a challenging time, and uh, not just in the North Pole, and and with these with these methane fees and everything else, um, you know, it's going to uh, it's going to be kind of a struggle for a lot of little uh, good and boy, you know, good and bad children around the world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so sad because we we're energy independent only a year ago. We have the resources in order to maintain our supply of energy. I mean, to your point, I mean, as I understand it, China is now looking to South America and other places in order to get the fuel they need because they they literally is a global shortage. We don't have a global shortage, but we're imposing it on ourselves in order to support this nonsense of alternative energy. Yeah, that's that's true. And you know, China is the second largest economy in the world, and they. They have to be the largest you know, coal consumer, and, and they rely on it for 56% of their electricity, over half their electricity. So, so they're they're facing the worst energy crisis they've faced in, in a decade, and and so as you say, they're you know they're they, they made it worse for themselves when they you know they got mad at Australia over a, over a diplomatic issue, and so they they were buying Australian coal, and now they're going to Latin America and Africa and Europe and hunting for, for, you know, for, for the material wherever they can get it, and uh, Philippines and, and so on. So at the same time, we're banishing uh, our own uh, advantage, really, of, you know, we can't, particularly came from fracking with, with oil and gas. We've, we've uh, tried to strangle off our, our coal industry. The rest of the, the, rest of the world is... is is uh, desperate straits, you know. Europe built all these dumb windmills, and 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 they and they had they had a uh, lack of wind last last year, and they had been big electricity shortages. You think we might learn something from that? Yeah. Not to mention, you know, Texas having our our windmills freeze up, and and my God, Texas, you'd think it a little bit better than that, but but we're going to have a worldwide shortage and. And of course, this shortage is going to hurt those that live in the cold climate, you know, the you know northeast and, and Chicago and northern climates more than they will, you know, you people in Florida and, and us here in Houston. But but uh, nevertheless, it's going to have the greatest pain on the little children, you know, on the on, on the families that can least afford it, least right. can afford the huge huge increase in gasoline prices and in home energy uh, this this winter. 
You know, I'm looking forward to celebrate the uh, first good decision that our president has made. <laughs> I haven't yet seen it because he's made so many bad ones, including his announcement yesterday about the uh, Omicron virus. Uh, by the way, I understand your book, uh, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, now available in a digital form, at least on, um, uh, I think, on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it's going to be out in and Amazon both both in uh, you know hardback as well as on Kindle and uh, there's and I think there's there's some shipping delays because of you know everything else is being delayed. I, I suspect with uh, printing and trucking and so on, so that you know they're they're not going to be out. Uh, Santa may not be able to pack them in a sled. Well, you know, uh, Professor, I've I've uh, I've enjoyed your books so much in the past. I'm reading right now Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, Beyond, The Real Anthony Fauci. Once I complete it, I'm going to start reading Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. I encourage our listeners to get a copy. You will really enjoy it. Professor, always appreciate Kennedy's book also, yeah. I always appreciate your comment here, here in the show. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us. And, Bob, thank you, and again, Merry Christmas. You as well, thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Bob Rommel is our state representative. Look forward to discussion with Bob. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.